We are in the book of Zechariah, and we are on chapter 11, and our sister Jen is going to come, and she's going to start reading at Zechariah chapter 11, verse 4, down through the end of the chapter. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 4, down through the end of the chapter. Thus said the Lord my God, become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished, and those who sell them, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich, and their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbor, and each into the hand of his king, and they shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So I became the shepherd of the flock, doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders, and I took two staffs, one I named Favor, the other I named Union, and I tended the sheep. In one month I destroyed three shepherds, but I became impatient with them, and they, al they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff, Favor, and I broke it annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages thirty pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I broke my second staff, Union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd, for behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed, or seek the young, or heal the maimed, or nourishing, nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the far ones, tearing off even their hoofs. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. I am uh, old enough to remember printing driving directions from a website called mapquest.com. Anybody? All right. Now, this was, kids, you might find this hard to believe, this was before your car had GPS built into it, as many cars today do. This was also before you could put a, you know, a Garmin, like a portable GPS, and kind of mount that on your dash of your car. In fact, when Lois and I went on our honeymoon, we went with a folded map and I suspect that some of you are not old enough to even know what such a relic of antiquity is. I remember an incident involving one of my relatives. She was driving home after serving at Bible camp, and she was utterly exhausted. She had been at Bible camp for two weeks, totally exhausted. Somewhere along the uh, 250 or so mile drive home, she began following a car in front of her. Somewhat absent-mindedly, she's exhausted and she just starts following this car along the road. 
And uh, she didn't realize what had happened until she sort of woke up and, and realized, like, I'm in, I'm in a town that I don't recognize because I followed this car rather than the route that I should have taken home. When you're driving, you can follow a GPS, you can follow the guidance of a navigator who is sitting next to you, you can uh, follow a map or printed directions, or you can follow the car ahead of you, or perhaps some of us will follow our own intuition about the right direction and we just know what's right and we're taking care of, of the route home. But you can be sure of this, where you arrive depends on who you follow. This is true of driving, and this is true of all of life. If you follow Jesus, you will, in his perfect time, arrive by his power at eternal life. But maybe you are not yet following Jesus. In that case, perhaps you are caught up with a political party or following the advice of a self-help life coach, or maybe you're just choosing to follow your own heart. These substitute saviors will lead you away from Jesus, and they will lead you towards eternal life sorry, away from eternal life and towards eternal judgment. If where you arrive depends on who you follow, then we would be wise to evaluate, one, who am I following, right? But we would also be wise to evaluate how am I leading others? Who is following me. Young people, I'm talking probably sixth grade and up, maybe some of the younger kids will know this, but probably sixth graders and up, I suspect you should know about this. Uh, do you recall from American history the Boston Tea Party? Okay? I'll give you just a very quick refresher. Uh, the United States was not yet the United States. We have some colonies over here in this part of the globe, but we are not yet free from the British. And some people who are known as the Sons of Liberty, dressed up like Native Americans, made their way into Boston Harbor, proceeded to board a ship, and broke open cases of British tea and dumped it into the harbor. The Boston Tea Party was symbolic action. What I mean by that is that the significance of that action was greater than the action itself. Now, dumping the tea was certainly insulting to the British, and certainly declared that the colonists were not going to take it anymore. But 
the effect, the significance of the dumping of the tea was far greater than just that act of dumping some tea into the harbor. In Zechariah chapter 11 that Jenna read to us, God calls Zechariah to the work of a shepherd. He does not call Zechariah as an actor. In other words, this is not some kind of a a drama that God is asking Zechariah to carry out. He is not playing dress-up and pretend. That's fun for the younger ones here. Dress-up and pretend is fun. That's not what God calls Zechariah to. He actually calls him to behave like a shepherd towards his people, Israel. And Zechariah's action is symbolic action. The significance of Zechariah's shepherding is greater than the act of the shepherding that he is doing. God has good reason for asking Zechariah to shepherd his people. Their current leaders are abusive God calls the people the flock intended for slaughter. Did you see that in the text? The flock intended for slaughter. These leaders, these shepherds that they have right now are cruel and abusive. They don't care about the flock. They care about themselves and they care about getting rich off of the flock. And worst, worst, These leaders have the audacity to call themselves hashtag blessed and to celebrate that God is being so amazingly good to them because they are getting so wealthy off of God's people. Look at Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 4. The Lord my God says this, Shepherd the flock intended for slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them, but they are not punished. Those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord because I have become rich. Even their own shepherds have no compassion for them. These shepherds, air quotes, shepherds, remind me of the prosperity false gospel preachers who fleece the flock of God in order to fill their own bank accounts. But let's not be content to point fingers. We should also ask, in what ways do I behave like a selfish shepherd? How am I leading for personal gain, to get rather than to give? How do I use my authority that God has given me? How do I use my authority as a club rather than humbly and gently serving those that God has placed under my care? Faithful shepherds are servants of their sheep. 
It doesn't matter whether you are an elder or a parent or a missional community leader, whether you are in a discipleship relationship or whether you manage employees at work. Faithful shepherds commit themselves to the health, the safety, the well-being, the maturity of those under their leadership. Faithful shepherds want the flock to flourish. Because these current leaders are so uncaring, you would think that when Zechariah steps in and begins shepherding them, that the people would respond favorably to this. And yet, that is not at all what happens. Look at verse number 7. So, I shepherded the flock intended for slaughter, the oppressed of the flock. I took two staffs, shepherd's staff, shepherd's crooks, calling one favor and the other union, and I shepherded the flock. In one month, I got rid of three shepherds. I became impatient with them. And they also detested me. Even though his leadership benefits them, the people reject Zechariah as their shepherd. They detest him. What does this say about their hearts? What does this say about our hearts? Apart from the work of the Spirit, we prefer celebrity over shepherds. We want strong, attractive, influential motivators who know how to get things done. We don't want godly shepherds because godly shepherds exhort us to live by godly standards. And we love our respectable sins way too much for that, don't we? Look how Zechariah responds in verse 9. Then I said, I will no longer shepherd you. Let what is dying die, and let what is perishing perish. Let the rest devour each other's flesh. Next, I took my staff called favor and cut it in two, annulling the covenant I had made with all the peoples. It was annulled on that day. And so the oppressed of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. The people are doomed. They reject a good shepherd. And they follow ungodly leaders into judgment. Where you arrive depends on who you follow. My friend, God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But if you reject God's salvation and follow someone or something other than Jesus, 
you will not escape judgment. All who reject God remove themselves from the benefits and the blessings of grace. Zechariah symbolically demonstrates this by cutting his staff called favor in two. It reminds me of when Bo Jackson used to play baseball and he would break his bat over his leg or over his head. Zechariah breaks his shepherd's staff. And he annuls the covenant. The people will not receive God's grace, his blessing, and the benefits of being his people. And then, to formally end his shepherding relationship with the people, Zechariah asks for his final paycheck. I suppose this is something like how we would do an exit interview, right? You show up one last time at the job, You turn in your computer and your key, and they give you your last paycheck. That's what happens here in verse 12. Then I said to them, if it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. Scholars tell me that you could translate this, if not, don't bother. If you don't think that I am worth it, If you don't think that I have shepherded you faithfully, don't bother giving me my wages. Just keep them. So, they weighed my wages. Thirty pieces of silver. Throw it to to the potter, the Lord said to me. Notice this. Very careful. This magnificent price, big air quotes on this word magnificent, this magnificent price, I was valued by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the Lord to the potter. Then I cut into my second staff, Union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. The people reject a good shepherd. And so God instructs Zechariah to change his approach. This is hard to read. Instead of a good shepherd, God tells Zechariah, I want you to now behave towards the people like a foolish shepherd. They reject a good shepherd, then I will turn them over to a bad shepherd. Verse 15. The Lord also said to me, take the equipment of a foolish shepherd. I am about to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are perishing. And he will not seek the lost or heal the broken. He will not sustain the healthy, but he will devour the flesh of the fat sheep and tear off their hooves. 
Zechariah is to behave towards the people in the exact opposite ways of a good shepherd. So much so that he is to represent cruelty, utter disregard for the people. Through this symbolic action, Zechariah represents every leader who conquers and rules over the people of Israel from this point forward. This this shift from a good shepherd to a foolish shepherd, this is hard for us to reconcile, but we should see this as God's mercy. God is warning His people. If you reject me as the good shepherd, I will have no choice but to turn you over to wicked shepherds. This is God's mercy to warn them. Judgment is always severe when God gives sinners what they want. If you reject godly leadership, don't be surprised at the rise and fall of ungodly leadership. And although God uses ungodly leaders to judge those who reject Him, these ungodly leaders will also face God's judgment. And so, ironically, this text ends on a hopeful note. But it's an ironic hopeful note. Look at verse 17. Woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. May his arm, his strength, wither away, and may his right eye, in other words, his intelligence, may he go completely blind. The significance of dumping the British tea in the Boston Harbor was greater than the act itself. And similarly here, the significance of Zechariah's shepherding, first as the good shepherd and then as a foolish shepherd, the significance of this is greater than the shepherding itself. Isn't it interesting? And when I say interesting, I mean worship-provoking. Isn't it worship-provoking? That when Herod interrogates the wise men regarding the birthplace of the Messiah, they quote from the prophet Micah. This is what they say to Herod in Matthew chapter 2. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come, what? A ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Zechariah's shepherding was more significant than the shepherding he did itself. God is going to send a ruler. What kind of a ruler? A ruler who will shepherd my people. 
And a little more than 500 years after Zechariah's symbolic action, God sent Jesus to earth. Jesus is this promised ruler who will shepherd his people. Look how Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 9. When he, when Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. It shouldn't surprise us then in John chapter 10 that Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. But much like the people rejected Zechariah's good shepherding, the people reject Jesus. The people choose to follow their ungodly leaders towards judgment. If it was painful for Zechariah to be rejected, how much more painful was it for Jesus to be rejected? Matthew records Jesus' lament in chapter 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Shortly after this, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, driven by his covetousness, rejects Jesus and makes a stunning deal to betray him to the corrupt and cruel shepherds. Matthew records the details of the transaction in chapter 26. Judas said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they weighed out. 30 pieces of silver. What a magnificent price to pay for the good shepherd. How would you respond if Jesus came today for the very first time? Would you follow him? I hope so, Noah. Or has the world's corrupt culture so captivated your heart that you would depreciate the Good Shepherd? Rejecting Jesus means following someone or something towards eternal judgment. Please, don't be seduced by a substitute Savior. Repent and believe the gospel. God sent Jesus to rescue and to redeem sinners like you and sinners like me. 
hopelessly lost sinners who have rejected him for years and years of our lives. God sent Jesus to rescue and redeem sinners like you and me. And it is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that God reconciles sinners to himself. In other words, he brings sinners near. He welcomes them into his family. He adopts them as his sons and daughters. What mercy What grace, what kindness and gentleness of God to respond to those who have rejected him so gently. Repent and believe this gospel. Jesus will shepherd you all the way to eternal life. We know this. A day is coming when a multitude beyond number will look upon their good shepherd with gladness and they will hear his voice with delight and they will follow him to participate forever in his eternal flock. We read about it in Revelation chapter 7. For the Lamb, that's Jesus, for the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How does that sound, church? To follow the leadership of the good shepherd Jesus into eternal life, to the springs of living water, and to finally have every tear. Every sorrow, every grief wiped away by the Good Shepherd. That day is coming. Will you be there? Will you be there? Followers of Jesus, my brothers and sisters, I wonder if the Holy Spirit would be so kind to make us increasingly mindful of these two implications. First, who am I following? What voices am I listening to? How am I being influenced for good or evil? And secondly, how am I leading others? How am I leading my spouse? How am I leading my children? How am I leading in my extended family? What about employees or coworkers or fellow students? What about friends or just contacts that are in your sphere of influence? Oh, that God would give us compassion and boldness to lead others to the Good Shepherd, to point the way to Him. Are you exhausted? Are you disoriented by the whiplash of public opinion? Is your heart broken by grief? Perhaps you feel crushed by the expectations of others. And maybe you live with a fear of what others will think about you. 
maybe insecurity, maybe anxiety, drag you around every day. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus will walk with you through every day that the Father designs for you. Jesus is strong and kind. Jesus is gentle and good. His grace is sufficient. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Come to Jesus. Come draw near to your good shepherd. He invites you to follow him. And in his presence, you will find all that you need, all of the hope, all of the encouragement, all of the comfort, all of the peace, all of the joy, all of the satisfaction that this world can never give you. Would you join me in prayer? Good and gracious Father, Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for filling the prophecy, for being the ruler who shepherds. Thank you for declaring yourself the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. Thank you for your wonderful life, sinless, perfect, holy, submissive to the will of your Father. Thank you for your sacrificial death. Thank you for paying the price, for making atonement, for redeeming hopelessly lost sinners. Thank you for demonstrating incredible love while we were still rejecting you as your enemies. Thank you for rising from the dead in order to reconcile us to God and to give us hope beyond the grave. Blessed Holy Spirit, thank you for coming to live inside of us. Thank you for filling us up Thank you for your presence that comforts and encourages, that consoles, that convicts. Thank you for the way that you point us again and again to the Good Shepherd. Comfort our hearts, encourage us, make us mindful of those around us in need of your comfort. Please help us as we continue to worship. Holy Spirit, gracious Father, would you this morning draw sinners to yourself who have never responded to the preaching of the gospel? Perhaps today would be the day. Maybe someone who thought walking into this room that they were a Christian and yet you have been so kind by your Spirit to make it clear that they do not yet have a relationship with you. Grant life and faith 
so that sinners respond by repenting and believing the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in His name we pray, giving thanks. Amen.